Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, if you'd like to check us out online, www.exxonetv.com, and you can always listen to the Exxon 724-365, the Exxon Radio Show, at www.exxonradiotv.com. Today I'm asking the question, are the angels of yesteryear and of biblical times the extraterrestrials that people are seeing in the skies today. Joining me now is a gentleman who I've had the pleasure of talking to many times here in the Exxon. Dr. Don K. Preston is his name. His website is www.donkpreston.com. And joining me via Skype is Dr. Don Preston. And Don, welcome back to the Exxon. Thank you, Rob. It's always great to be with you. I appreciate it so much. T tell me, Don. The angels of yesteryear, the angels that people talk about in biblical times, a lot of people within the UFO community are actually saying that these are the aliens that people are seeing today. As a biblical scholar, what is your opinion on that? I don't put any credence on that whatsoever, uh, Rob. Uh, now, I'm fascinated by the entire world of ufology. Mm -hmm. uh, I follow it to a certain extent. I'm always interested. Uh, you know, when I was just a kid, I saw, quote, something, unquote, that I had no clue was. Was it unknown? Mm -hmm. Was it an unidentified? Sure. Do I believe it was an alien? Not necessarily. I, I really don't, to be honest about it. I'm, I try to be very cautious. I try to be uh, conservative, mm -hmm. shall we say, sure. in my beliefs. And when, I've, when I have looked carefully, when I have looked cautiously and conservatively at so many of the claims about aliens, alien encounters, as someone who tries to think analytically, someone who wants good, solid, real evidence, mm -hmm. I just haven't seen it. Don, you've been, you've been a pastor. You've been preaching the word for many years now. You've come across many people. Why, in your opinion, sir, is there this fascination with not only extraterrestrials being, but the search for afterlife, when in the Bible, the Bible tells you that there is life after death. Why are so many people now trying to separate the two, the, separate the religious factions of after death and the, the biblical way of looking at it? It's a great question, and look, it's not a new phenomenon. Uh, in the book of Colossians, Paul wrote to that church, and he warned against people who put their reliance, their authority in mm -hmm. things, quote, that they have seen, unquote. And, and Paul was just the opposite of that. Paul said the authority lies within the written word. As people, we are so very often attuned to, and we basically say, well, I know what I saw. Well, the great question is, do we really know what we saw? I mean, any legal expert will tell you this claim about the total reliability, for instance, of, quote, eyewitness accounts, unquote, right. in court is very tenuous. It can be challenged because we tend to filter our experiences through our preconceptions and through our presuppositions. And this is especially true when we come to this kind of a world. If I'm raised in an environment, Ron, or Rob, excuse me, if I'm raised in an environment in which I'm taught 
I'm indoctrinated that there's an angel behind every bush, that there is a sign from God behind every cloud, then guess what? I'm going to see a, a, a sign from God behind every cloud. Now, I want to emphasize, this doesn't mean that I'm an evil person. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I'm a dishonest individual. It means that I've been taught to see things and interpret the things that I've seen through the prism of my preconce preconceptions. And I think that if we're going to be pragmatic, I think if we're going to be objective, we have to be able to look at our experiences and to say, to ask ourselves honestly and objective, objectively, is this honestly evidentiary or is it experiential? Mm. And is my experience objective or subjective? Over the past 20, 30 years, Don, have you seen a great change in the way that people are looking at religion and how people are looking at, at the world in general? Oh, mercy. Oh, boy, have I ever. Uh, and an interesting study was some d done some years ago, as a matter of fact, Rob, and it, it talked about where the emphasis of preaching from the pulpit and thus filtering down into the right. man in the pew has changed. Uh, in the 19th century, most biblical preaching focused on the authority of the Word of God. In the uh, 18th century, it was on the sovereignty of God. In the 20th century, it was, hey, what do I get out of this? Ah, gotcha. <laughs> All right, Don, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take a commercial break. Always great seeing you, Don. Exonation, Dr. Don K. Preston is our special guest, www.donkpreston.com. And Don and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We'll be back shortly. And welcome back to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. My guest this hour is Dr. Don K. Preston. His website is www.donkpreston.com. The question I asked uh, Don at the beginning of the show is, are the extraterrestrials of today the angels that people talked about in biblical times? Now, Don, we talked briefly about your interpretation of extraterrestrials to angels but how do we expect how do we explain things in the bible like ezekiel's wheel a lot of people today look at that and say well that sounds like a ufo uh, yes, and I've looked at that text many, many times because I understand that the UFO uh, community appeals to it very often. Mm -hmm. Number one, I believe it, it overlooks a genre of literature, a, a type of literature. Uh, the Old Testament writers, Ezekiel especially among them, uh, is termed as an apocalyptic writer. Apocalyptic has to do with language that was never intended to be taken literally. And that's something that the modern day mindset uh, that, that is not Hebraic in mm -hmm. training looks at that language and they go, oh wow, look, a wheel within a wheel. That must be a UFO that boy, it's got these lights rotating and this and that and the other. And you know, again, I've looked at that right. very carefully and it just simply fails to overlook the nature of apocalyptic uh, prophetic uh, literature. God very, very often revealed himself in visions. The visions were not intended to convey a concrete empirical item. 
for instance, like a wheel within a wheel. Right. It was a, it was a mental image to convey the majesty, the glory, the awesomeness of of this theophany, to use that term. Uh, the, theophany means an appearance of God, a manifestation mm -hmm. of God, and what have you. And so to go there and say, oh, wow, that's got to have been a UFO, just simply overlooks the, the nature of the literature that is being read. And it, it is, to go back to something I mentioned in the previous segment, it is imposing our modern presuppositional concepts. It, it's, it's basically going, oh, wow, UFOs exist. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got to look for ancient writers who saw UFOs. Oh, well, look at this vision by Ezekiel. That could only have been a UFO. Well, that, there are an awful lot of logical leaps in there. Sure. <laughs> any, good, any good teacher of logic would tell you, uh, you're, you're guilty of violating the rule of the, of the excluded middle, to use the fancy term. All right, Bill, let's go back to the earlier times with Moses. Mount Sinai, the cloud that overcame the handing of the Ten Commandments. Once again, people look at that and say, wow, it must have been a UFO over Mount Sinai that Moses went to greet to get the Ten Commandments. How do we rationalize this? Well, once again, it's all about presuppositional ideas. Let, let's, let's go to the Bible for a little bit sure. or, or for our authority on this. The Bible is very clear that mm -hmm. there were supernatural beings who were distinctively created by God for given purposes. Now... That doesn't mean that every occurrence of the word angel in the Bible means that, that it's a supernatural being. Uh, in the book of Malachi, for instance, it predicted the coming of John the baptizer, but it called him God's angel. Well, John the baptizer was a flesh and blood human being, but the Greek word angeloi, uh, or angelos in the singular, mm -hmm. uh, that's found in the Septuagint of the Old Testament, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew Old Bible, and then angeloi, which is the New Testament Greek word. All in the, that's all in the world it means. In the book of Hebrews, for instance, it says God created winds and clouds to be his angels. Well, all in the world that those uh, you know, winds and clouds did was to carry a message from God, and it doesn't mean that was a verbal message. It meant that, well, if, if God brought a storm on someone mm -hmm. as a judgment, that was his angel. We have to understand this kind of thinking in the biblical genre of literature to go back to the mountain. Uh, Deuteronomy 33 says that Yahweh came with 10,000 of his angels. Well, you know what? Nobody on the ground saw that. There's not a word in the entire uh, Sinai record mm -hmm. that says any of the people saw 10,000, quote, angels, unquote. They were obviously in that unseen realm, but through inspiration, Moses was recording what had happened there. And this gets back to, okay, are we making this logical leap from angels to UFOs? You know, uh, that's what's happening in the UFO community, that they're saying, well, this could only have been a UFO visitation because, boy, look at the thunder and the lightning right. and the clouds and all that kind of stuff. Well, what logic demands that it had to be a UFO?
since angels were created by Yahweh to accomplish his purposes, why could it not have been these divine uh, messengers, divine angels that God had created for this distinctive purpose? Good question. You and I come back on the other side of this break. Exxon Nation, this episode, my good friend, Dr. Don K. Preston, we're talking about the biblical side of the paranormal, so to speak, and Dr. Preston and I will be back on the other side of this break. For more information on The Good Doctor, visit his website at donkpreston.com. My name is Rob McConnell. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. Dr. Don K. Preston is my special guest this segment. And the question I was asking Dr. Preston is basically the connection between the paranormal and biblical teachings. What we find in the Bible. Angels, miracles, UFOs. Joining me now via Skype is Dr. Don K. Preston. His website is donkpreston.com. And Don... What is the connection between atheists and the UFOs? I think it's a great question, Rob. In my personal experience, in mm -hmm. talking with, in, in visiting with atheists, okay, there's a strange phenomena that take place. Atheists reject the possibility that there's a God. And yet they will postulate and say, you know what, there, there just absolutely must be life on other planets. Now, we have zero evidence of such. Mm -hmm. Zero evidence of such. We have zero evidence for all biogenesis, that is, life coming from non-life. And yet the atheist who wants to reject a belief in God is willing to somehow, some way, postulate, postulate the existence of extraterrestrials living on other planets. Just this morning, there was this little blurb that I saw somewhere. I don't even know on what website it was. But they found a flash of light on a little bitty minor planet way off somewhere. And already, already the UFOlogists are all over that saying, ah, see, we must have proof here of extraterrestrials' life on other planets. Now, I don't mean to infer that everyone who believes in UFOs is an atheist. I'm not suggesting that because I personally talk to people mm -hmm. who are believers in God, in the Bible, etc. But they do believe in that. But there is nonetheless a suggestion, a belief among a lot of atheists there's not a God, but boy, there must be extraterrestrials. So hey, these are UFOs, maybe. What about the ne Nephilim? Those who descended from the sky. Once again, the UFO community ties this very strongly to the proof of extraterrestrial visitations and that God was an extraterrestrial. Yes, I'm very familiar with that. You go back to Genesis chapter 6, and you have reference to the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. And then it says that the sons of God married the daughters of men. Well, once again, presuppositional claims start creeping in and say, well, sons of God. That must have been the biblical writer's way of describing extraterrestrials. Once again, we have to acclimate ourselves to the way that ancient people expressed themselves. Instead of imposing, oh boy, I know, son of God, that had to be extraterrestrial. No, in ancient times, and you find this in Sumerian writings, you find this in Babylonian writings at a later mm -hmm. period of time, you fi find them that men who were tremendously gifted, men that were tremendous warriors, 
it was believed that they got their gifts, their powers, their accomplishments from the gods. They were, therefore, the sons of God. Not because it was believed that they had descended from heaven in some spaceship, mm -hmm. but because they must have received their power from a greater power. And so there's no connection in the ancient you know, what scholars call the A&E, the ancient Near East writings, mm -hmm. uh, it, there's, there is no belief in, in UFOs. There was a firm believer in gods and, and goddesses. They did not believe what the UFOlogists believe about them, and so there is no direct one-to-one -one belief. So here we have in Genesis chapter 6, when it says the sons of God married the daughters uh, of men, we have a reference to, to some great men that entered into conjugal relationship with women, and they were in rebellion. These were, these were not, in this instance, evidently, these were not righteous men. These were evidently sinners, because this is in the accounts leading directly to the flood. So can we say then, Don, that the reference to the sons of God was actually a reference to someone who believed in God and followed the, the laws as laid out in the Bible? In some instances, that would be true. Okay. Uh, obviously, in the New Testament, uh, followers of Christ are called sons of God. Yes. No question about that. And, and by the way, it's really interesting in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you even see reference to that type of thing. Uh, in the Old Testament, you have the same kind of thing. <clears throat> in the Genesis account, probably what is the case is that they were so, these were some great, mighty men. Right who, because of their accomplishments in whatever field, we don't really know what it was, were being called sons of God, not because they were righteous in this case, mm -hmm. but because they were mighty men. Don, you and I have to take our final break for this edition of the Exxon. When I come back, I'd like to break away from the topic that we've been discussing so far. I want to ask you about the Bible versus the Koran and the strife and troubles that we're seeing in the world today, and how this plays into the final conflict as depicted in the book of Revelations. Dr. Don K. Preston is my special guest, www.donkpreston.com. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the Exxon TV show, www.exxontv.com. And we'll both be back on the other side of this break live from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Dr. Don K. Preston is my guest in this episode of the X-Zone here on X-Zone TV. For the first three segments of the show, we've been talking about the biblical connection with the paranormal. But now, because of what is going on in the world today, Dr. Preston, ISIS, a big threat. We're looking at more and more hideous murders each and every day. And yet, there are so many people who talk about the Quran as preaching peace that it's a misunderstanding, a sociological misunderstanding. And how can you misunderstand murder, rape, pilferage, the, 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 the hideousness of the crimes that are being committed? You've studied the Koran. You've studied every other uh, biblical philosophy going. 
In your opinion, based on your experience, what is the story behind the story when it comes to Islam, Allah, and what we see in the world today? Well, first of all, let, let me say, I absolutely do not believe any way, shape, form, or fashion that's what's that what is taking place with ISIS or ISIL, however, whatever term you'd like to use, mm -hmm. has anything to do with the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. I, I just finished writing two articles, posting them on my website, donkpreston.com, addressing this issue. However, what is happening with ISIS is the fact they believe that they are setting the stage for the end of the world. In this regard, they are very much like the dispensational uh, Zionists that are very active in American politics, for instance, uh, in American theology and what have you. But the, the connection between the Bible and the Quran is, <laughs> well, let me say that it's extremely tenuous to say the very, very least. To, to suggest that the doctrine of Islam is inherently peaceful is to ignore the absolute history, the established history of Islam. Muhammad began as a man that began to, to teach world conquest. And as soon as he gathered up enough people, enough men, enough swords, enough of an army, mm -hmm. he began a militaristic, imperialistic type of, of war on the entire uh, Arab world, conquering them, subduing them. And by the way, when, pe when you hear people say Islam means peace, that is not true at all. Islam means subjection. And so people who are trying to say Islam means peace at fu fundamentally, mm -hmm. they're misrepresenting it. And I don't want to be misunderstood here. I know some Muslims right here in my community who are really wonderful yep. people, very peaceful people. They speak quite eloquently about, about how much they abhor what is being done by ISIS. So that needs to be, uh, uh, needs to be acknowledged. However, uh, there are many, many world-class scholars in regard to Islam who are currently doing writing, lecturing, mm -hmm. who are pointing out that fundamentally and theologically, those who would live at peace, who are Muslims, are really at variance with not only history, but the theology of the Quran. And so I think it's very important for people to understand that when very, very often when Muslims say, we're worshiping the same God, mm -hmm. not really. While there are many points of contact, for right. instance, they go back, they love to go back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc., etc. There is a very clear-cut departure uh, in theology about the nature of the God of Abraham as the New Testament develops that. Nowhere in the Quran do you find teaching about the grace of God being saved by grace through faith without works? Uh, a good friend of mine had some public formal debates with Muslims. The basic approach that he took was, show me in the Quran the teaching from Jesus or the teaching from you know Muhammad that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works. No, on the, on the distinct different side of that, in the Quran, we're judged basically almost exclusively on works. There is no grace. Mm -hmm. They can speak about love, but it is a totally different kind of love based upon works. And that's totally contrary to the message. 
I find the Quran to be horribly self-contradictory. On the one hand, they say Jesus is a prophet, mm -hmm. and they say that if you blaspheme a prophet, you are guilty and worthy of death. But guess what? Then they call him a false prophet. Don, we have to hold it here for this edition. You and I will be talking many more times in the future. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Exxon. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like more information on Dr. Don K. Preston, visit his site. It is filled with wonderful information, www.donkpreston.com. Now, if you have any questions you'd like to send us, go to exxontv.com forward slash questions. And from everyone here at the Exxon to everyone out there, remember to always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. My name is Rob McConnell. So long for now.